You know, the challenge that we often face as a church today is just this sense of why go to church. Um, Recent studies tell us that people attend church about 1.5, 1.8 times a month. Now, I haven't figured out yet how you can be at church a half of a time, but that's what statistics tell us. Many of you grew up in churches where you were at church two to three times a week, and some of you grew up in churches where you were on Sunday two to three times, right? You came to Sunday morning, you went to uh, Bible school or Sunday school, maybe even four times. You went to youth group and then you did Sunday evening service. I mean, it was that way. That's not true today. Attendance has really changed. And why is that? Why is that? I, I think because too many people just hear what the church is against. How the church is against them. And how the church wants to speak way more to the no than to the yes. And so that's our challenge. And here's what I want you to realize today, that we are for our community. For our community. I wore this t-shirt because C is Coleraine. Some of you thought this was a red shirt. Sorry to let you down, right? (laughs) I mean, it's not just Coleraine. It's Hamilton, Ross, Harrison, Cincinnati, Mason, Blue Ash, all points in between. But we specifically have stated that we want to try to reach 1% of the population within five miles of any of our sites. Around the Coleraine campus alone, that's about 200,000 people live within five miles of this campus. That's amazing. And this is why we think of ways to reach out to our community, like Summer Bible Camp, or as we go forward, there may be something that's even more effective to reach out into our community to tell them that we are for them as that begins to happen. But today I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about us. And there are a couple of places where we are for, and one of the things, just as we start this particular service, we are for people. We're for our family here. And just some really difficult news this past week. Uh, David Rivers, many of you know, uh, was a, has been a partner here for well over 20 years. And uh, David passed away unexpectedly on uh, Friday and uh, we are praying for that family. His memorial service will be on Wednesday at uh, Charles Young in Ross. But I want to stop right now because one of the songs that we sang was, as you bring your brokenness here, that God begins to heal it and begins to bring strength to it. And we will never forget that we are for each other. We're family and we love each other. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's in this moment that we bow, praying for our families who are struggling our families who have gotten bad news, a couple of our families that have lost loved ones in just unexpected ways. Father, I pray for the Rivers family. I pray, Lord, that you will give strength to Emily and to Alec and to Corin. Pray that they'll know your presence. Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of David and his example to so many of us here. Thank you for him being a pioneer in our Ross campus. Thank you for his great love for you. Father, I also pray for the Carson family who is grieving the loss of Connor. I pray, Lord, this afternoon in their service that you will just give them special comfort and strength. Father, for those of us who are struggling with illness, with diagnosis off the chart that we just don't understand, I pray that you will speak to us in this moment and remind us that you are for us. 
and that you're caring for us and that you're guiding us. Father, I pray that you will use this time to bring us a word that we need to hear, a word that will encourage us, a word that will convict us, a word that will challenge us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A few years ago, I like to watch uh, the TED, TED Talk channel. How many of you watch TED Talks? If you haven't found TED Talks yet, Google that amazing stuff. But a few years ago, there's a fellow named Simon Sinek whose, whose TED Talk was Start With The Why. Start with the why. Why defines how. In other words, why you do something tells you how you end up doing it. <clears throat> and I completely believe that. But starting with the why is not the hardest part. I think the hardest part is to stay with the why. Because there's this sense that we are always looking for something new. Something new to say, something new to do. It's true for any business, organization, or individual. It's also true for the church. So today I want to talk about our why and about staying the why. As a friend of mine says, the main thing is the main thing and keep it the main thing. Organizations like people will have a tendency to drift and part of my responsibility here is to make sure that we stay on the why, the main thing. To do that, I have to implement one of the most important leadership principles I've ever been taught. It's something you can apply in your life today, and it will revolutionize the things that you're doing, especially if you're in leadership. It's great for business, for nonprofit, for government, for education, and it's this. It's simple but powerful when it's implemented, the principle is this. Leaders are repeaters. Leaders are repeaters. Leaders need to say the same thing over and over again, sometimes a little different slant, but they need to repeat what is important. I mean, stay on message. They repeat the message over and over and over. And, and you want to repeat it enough to where people are saying, you know, we're, we're tired of it. Somebody said one time, you know, you keep saying a lot of the same things. And I say, I will keep saying the same thing until you start doing it. That's our challenge. That's our challenge. It takes a while for a vision and the why to stick. And that's sometimes why as a parent you wonder how many times am I going to have to say this? Or as a leader, you, you, may, uh, you might wonder how often do I need to repeat this? Or as a spouse, you may wonder how often do I need to ask this? It's over and over and over. The message is worth implementing, and it's definitely worth repeating. Let me give you a business example. How many of you are Chick-fil-A fans? Good. The rest of you will repent, and, and, and we'll see your error of your ways. No. It's interesting. Every time you're in Chick-fil-A, and they hand you your food, and you say thank you, what do they say back? Let's try that a little bit more. Gusto. Every time you say thank you, what do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. That was started by the, by the leader of that uh, company, Trick Kathy, many years ago at his nationwide convention of his franchisees and of his staff. And imagine his dismay as he began to travel through the country and visit the different stores. And every time he would say thank you, people would still say, you're welcome. What Kathy began to do is that he simply began to model that over and over. And he just started saying over and over again, my pleasure, every time somebody would say thank you, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. He began repeating this because leaders are repeaters. And it's estimated that it took five years before that became a part of the standard Chick-fil-A culture. 
Now, all of us have been in Chick-fil-A, and that's exactly what they say. Every person, when you say thank you, and you really throw them off whenever you say my pleasure first. Try that this week, by the way. That will be hilarious to do that kind of thing. But my pleasure, it sticks. It sticks. And so every time that you hear that, you'll know that story that took five years. Now, that's five years of Trick Kathy reminding his people every day, 300 and not, let's see, not Sunday, so you take 52 away from 365. You'll get the number real quick, right? That many times every year. Five years. You know, when, when we think in terms of the church, <laughs> we only get, you know, if you're really, really a great, great attender, 52 weeks, 52 times. If you come to a life group, maybe another 52 times. None of you are 100% attendees. I know that because I see your attendance records. So it's way less than that. The challenge is how do we keep the main thing the main thing in our existence? It's extremely important to stay on the why and to say those things over and over again. To help us stay on the why today, I want to remind us to answer this question. Why? What do we want to be known for? What does White Oak want to be known for? It's a great question for any organization. It's a challenge for any organization to keep that. And so if you're a business person today, that's a great question to ask your employees and your team tomorrow. It's a great question to ask your customers. Why do you think we're here? What is our for? It's true for a school. It's true for us individually. It's also a great question for us as a church. So what do we want to be known for? To help answer this question, it, it, it's helpful to get some outside perspective in terms of what a business organization or church is currently known for. Let's take the church in general. What is the church known for? What do you see in the newspapers, in the blogs, in the, in the uh, media today? Most of the time, what you see, there's a whole lot of questions and answers that come about, but most of the time, and I'm generalizing, I know that, we see the following statement might be true of what most people think about the church, and it's this. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against than what the church is for. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against than what the church is for, and that's what you see over and over again. It pops up in the challenges that take place. If this is true, and I think it is for a lot of people, no wonder many people don't attend church. Because here's the reality. Church isn't for them because church isn't for them. Church isn't for them because church isn't for them. What is it that we want for people? Let's take, let's take this guy as an example. This guy on the church, or excuse me, he's on a couch on Sunday morning. He's on the couch, and what's he thinking? Church isn't even on his radar screen. I mean, church isn't even a selection option for Sunday. And while it's not about church attendance, it is about fulfilling the calling that we have as a church. When we were in London a, a few years ago, uh, it's one of my favorite cities to visit, and maybe you've had a chance, and if you haven't, I hope that you get a chance. But, but I never really noticed this taking place, because when you get into the subway system in London, it's a crush. I mean, some of you have been in London, right? You get in line, as soon as the doors open, man, they push you in. There's a guy standing outside pushing everybody in to make sure you get into the tube, as they would call it. It was interesting, a few weeks ago, Nancy was there with our granddaughter and with 
uh, our daughter Heidi, our granddaughter Lily. And Lily, because she's only about this high, recognized some of the stuff that's on the pavement in that subway system. And there's this sign in the subway system that looks like this, mind the gap. Now that was important for Lily because she could fall in the gap, right? But what we recognize and what we miss sometimes is we don't pay attention to the gap. The gap between the guy on the couch and his relationship to Jesus. We just think, man, you ought to be a follower of Jesus. Come on, pay attention. Would you quit belly aching and, and all these other kinds of things that go on? Our role as a church is to shrink that gap. Is to shrink that gap between the guy on the couch and the church. The question is, how do we do that? It's, it's by having a church that this guy loves to attend. It's not just a guy. It's men, women, couples, single adults, children, and students. Everyone. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we're not the first ones to have wondered this. This has been true of the church ever since she started, was how do we mind the gap? How do we shrink that gap between a person who's far from God and a person who begins to follow God? What needs to take place? And there's a lot of debate about this. And in, in the book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament, written by Luke, who's a follower and a friend of Paul, he writes in, excuse me, in Acts chapter 15, the record of a conference is held in Jerusalem to discuss conditions about bringing Gentiles into the church. You see, Gentiles were probably as far away from God, according to the Jews, as anybody possible. So they have this conference to say, what are we doing? How do we, how do we shorten this gap between what a Gentile understands and God himself? And the early church was greatly concerned about how to reach people who don't know God and had never heard of Jesus so James gets up and he summarizes what they had talked about, and here's what he says. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That we shouldn't be putting up a lot of extra barriers, that we should be showing them how we are for them. So let's go back to the guy on the couch for a minute. What we've been called to do is to not make it difficult for him to turn to God. How do we begin to do that? How do you create the church? How do you have a congregation where the guy on the couch loves to attend? How do you connect with this person on the couch who has no interest and, and quite possibly has already said no to the church many times and maybe even to Jesus? Well, it goes back to that question, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? And here's our answer. We are for our community. We're for our community. We're for Coleraine, we're for Ross, we're for Hamilton, Harrison, all those kinds of places. We're for our schools, we're for our businesses, we're for adults and students and children. We're for people, and the reason we're for people is because God is for them. See, most people just think the church is here to tell people what God is against. And what the Bible tells us is that we're here to tell people that God is for them. He has a home for them. So today we're launching a movement called Four Coleraine. In doing so, we're going to create four things that this guy on the couch is going to begin to relate to. We want to create compassion. We want to create common ground. We want to create conversations. And we want to create connections. Here, here's how we begin to do that. With Acts 15, 19 in mind, we go back and read a passage of Scripture that Jesus talks about this very thing in Luke chapter 10. Here's what he says. Whenever you enter someone's home, 
First say, may God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. And if they are not, the blessing will return to you. He goes on and says this. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever's set before you. That's why I eat Skyline Chili and Grater's ice cream. Yeah. Uh, Heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. Jesus ends up saying, and then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. You see, we tend to stop and only look at those last couple of sentences. Instead of that first sentence, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. He starts out in that passage of scripture about creating compassion. How do I develop compassion for the people who are around me, who live around me? How do I begin to see them in the same way that God sees them? What Jesus gave them was a plan where he said, go and bless. Go and bless. And if people will receive that blessing, then the blessing will be upon them. Here's the deal. Pray for the community. For the neighbors on your street. This is the first step. You know, see, there's this sense that we have about our communities that we get all upset about what's happening in our communities. But my question back to you is, are you praying for your neighbors? Are you spending time, whether it's looking out the living room window or when you're taking your evening or morning walk or whenever you do that or your, or your run, are you praying for the people in your community? You see, I think we, we totally miss that. We think it's all about the laws we pass, the levies we pass, the the opportunities that we have for business, and we forget that we create compassion in our hearts as we pray to God about the people who live all around us. You got a problem with your neighbor? Are you praying for them? Do you know their names? Do you know what's happening in their lives? It's not what we want from our community, but it's what we want for our community. And are you praying for that? As you begin to develop compassion in your life, then you begin to see places where you can develop common ground, or as we say here, create common ground. Jesus said, go into their homes. Eat the food that they serve to you. Pay attention to them. For many people who don't go to church, they believe that it's because they have nothing in common with anybody who goes to church. As a result of that perception, they, they believe we don't share anything, and that couldn't be further from the truth, right? So build relationships. Get to know your neighbors. Stop on your way to the mailbox. Take out, when you're taking out the trash, maybe as you sit on your front porch. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we do whiz kids here, where we're tutoring kids who are in elementary school to help them to read and to begin to become excellent. It's why we do Whiz Kids Unplugged or WK Unplugged at our middle schools. Why we do Night to Shine for our community special needs people. Why we're involved in Sun Ministry and the Clippard YMCA. And this is why we clean up parks and fields. Why we shop in our area and look for vendors nearby. Because we want people to know we are for our community. We, we don't just kind of hope that everything will get better. We are for our community. Let me tell you a story that that I received from City Gospel Mission about Kevin Wiesner, one of our guys here, who started WK Unplugged, Wiz Kids Unplugged, which is a middle school program. Here's what Kevin wrote. The 2019 graduation class marks the full circle cycle of students who went through Wiz Kids and WK Unplugged. 
tutoring that is sponsored by White Oak Christian Church. And I'm honored to let City Gospel Mission know that not only did one of our original WKM Plug students return this year to participate as a tutor during his senior year at Colerain High School, but Jacob Colley graduated from Colerain High School, magna cum laude. I mean, that is amazing. A young man who found some deficiency in reading when he was in elementary school and and continued on through our WK Unplugged graduates magna cum laude. It's better than that. He'll be attending the University of Cincinnati in the fall in the College of Engineering, studying environmental engineering. I'm glad I put out the uh, recycle bins this week. That was important. Anyway, I've tutored and mentored Jacob since the fourth grade, and he has overcome things that statistically would have put him in a completely different spot. Jacob plans to return next year to continue to work with the young guy he tutored this year. He has told me he got so much from the program, he just wants to give another kid the same chance he had to succeed. Wow, that's powerful good stuff. That's why we create compassion and and then we move forward and create that common ground around the teaching and reading. When we create common ground, we tell people, you want where you live to be a great place to live? We do too. You want this to be a great place to raise kids? We do too. You want businesses to thrive around here? We do too. You want the schools to be great? We do too. We want the parks to be clean and people to be served? We do too. And look at how much common ground we have. For too long, the the church just took on the adversarial role that with people who don't go to church or a non-existent relationship with people who don't go to church. Create common ground. Because when you create compassion, you look for and create common ground, and then we create conversations. We create conversations, places where we get an opportunity then to talk to people about, why are you tutoring here? Why are you doing Night to Shine? Why are you involved in these kinds of things? And where's the place where you can meet a felt need? Where's the place where you can lean in to a person's life? Are you aware of concern in your neighborhood or with your neighbor? I want to use a negative illustration here to, to, to tell what I'm talking about. I live next door to an 80-year-old couple. Um, This guy is amazing. He's ambitious. He keeps up the mowing and yard work on about two acres. He'll stop by once in a while saying he needs a tree cut or a trench dug. Maybe I'm the guy who's keeping his two acres. I'm not sure about that. A couple weeks ago, I'm on on my mower. I'm mowing my grass. And I noticed an ambulance comes flying in, lights shining, and they're there for a little bit. I say a quick prayer. Then they leave, and I say another prayer and continue cutting my grass. My daughter is friends with his granddaughter, and so I'm told that she's in the hospital. Mrs. Crabtree's in the hospital. Nancy's out of town for about 10 days, and I'm on my own. So you know what I did? I baked a casserole and I made a pie, and I made some bread, and I took it all next door to them. I'm amazing. I didn't do any of that. Come on. I didn't. I forgot totally what had happened next door to me. I ignored the opportunity that God gave me to minister to my neighbor, to give them some encouragement during that time. I missed out on what God probably had in store for me because I didn't pay attention 
So I have a simple idea for you. You've heard it. It's been used a million different places. And so we just use an old idea in a new way. I want to launch a For Our Community movement. There are lots of ways that we could do that. We, could create, we want to create opportunities for people to ask you about this while you're doing it. And to do this, we want you to participate in our Pay It Backward program, our Pay It Backward idea. I want to give you a week to consider this or so because we're making up clings that will fit on your car window that says, I am for Coleraine. You can do it anywhere in the neighborhood. Uh, We'd like for you to simply put that on your car. And when you do this, we want you to consider spreading the message and creating conversations. I'm asking you as you go through a drive-thru, you've heard this before, but as you go through a drive-thru, pay for the person's meal behind you or their cup of coffee or whatever that might be. That's why we call it Pay It Backwards. And as you drive away, the person will see that four cling on your car and then be informed that you just paid for their food and drink. This is no small thing. They'll they'll begin to tell people that day that someone with a four cling paid for their meal. And that's how you create conversations and common good. Now, here's what I heard in between service. One of our, one of our families goes to, uh, I call them snowbirds, as you would imagine. They go to church in Florida during the winter, and they come up here during the summer. And they said, you know, I always wondered what that was about, because every Sunday we would have this video where our youth minister is going to a, a, a store or someplace like that, and he's talking to people, and they're, they're experiencing certain things. And then he has on the back of his car for Kissimmee. I just gave the whole thing away, didn't I? I'm sorry. You, you even know who that person is now. But, and he said, I've been here, been there for a year watching this during the winter, and I have no clue what that video is about. Now you're telling me this is what the video is about. Being involved in those conversations in your community, that's why you say it over and over and over again. Here's the amazing thing. Here's the God part. God begins to take that compassion in your heart and that, that aspect of, of how you are developing uh, common ground and then the, the, this whole idea of conversations and he creates connections. He creates connections. God can take moments, conversations and begin to shrink the gap between people and the church, between the lost and himself. And that's what you're putting in place. When you look, when you talk to our missionaries today, we've got Minta here for our uh, uh, Roar Summer Bible Camp in Minta. We'll say, when we go, we go to villages and we, we create compassion. And, and then we look for common ground. Then we create conversations. Then we ask God to create the connections. That's, that's what we're doing all around the world to reach people who are far from God. Why are we not doing it here? That's why we're jumping forward. That's the why. What I'm asking us to do today is help create common ground with the people in our communities, create conversations, and pray that God will build those connections. Here's the deal. For too long, the church has been known for what we're against. We should be known for what we're for. And we're for people. In closing, here's a question I think every church should consider. If our church went out of business, would the community even notice If our church went out of business, would the community even notice? Would the community rejoice that we were gone? That's another way, too. That's a question that's important, because when a church is for the community, for people, and deeply desires to introduce them to the love of their Heavenly Father, they become a community partner in a very beautiful way. So will you help me? Will you help me as we show our community that we're for them because God is for them? 
That, that's what we sang about this morning, how God is for us. If he's for us, then he's for them too. Are we going to take that message out? This isn't necessarily a new message. It's a message that's been going for 2,000 years as you saw the church wrestled with it in Acts chapter 15. We wrestle with it now in 2019. We're just rallying around the word for to communicate its way. This is our why. And my role is to help us stay the why. Our why is Jesus. And this is what we do. As James said, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. How are you playing your part to see that it's not difficult for people who are turning to God to hear his voice? Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's in this moment that we ask you to teach us and to remind us of our role. Many of us in this room are believers and we follow you. I pray, Lord, that we will hear your voice. Some of us are struggling with what you're doing in our lives today, and I pray that we would hear your comforting voice. Some of us have never decided to follow you yet, and I pray that we would hear your calling voice. That you would call us to the foot of the cross and remind us of your sacrifice. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.